You're listening to the Detroit Worldwide Podcast, where we highlight the stories of native Detroiters that are doing great things in their community and using their impact across the globe. I'm Marquise Taylor. Welcome to the D. What up, though? Welcome to another installment of the Detroit Worldwide Podcast. I am Marquise Taylor, and on this week's edition of the podcast, I had the opportunity to sit down with longtime college basketball coach Gary Waters, who spoke about a variety of things on this episode, including his 40-plus year career as a college coach, his lived experience growing up in Detroit, as well as some of the initiatives and projects he is working on in retirement. I love sports. I love watching sports. I love reading about sports. So when I say that this was an honor to connect with a college basketball coach on the podcast, it is an understatement. Coach Waters has done some amazing work He's coached at such places as Kent State University, Rutgers University, and most notably Cleveland State University, where he served as a head coach for 11 seasons. Dude is legit. (laughs) This is a great episode. I hope that you all enjoy it. And I want you all to pay very close attention to Coach Waters lived experience growing up in the city of Detroit. It was during what I consider to be a golden era. I don't want to spoil anything, but I hope that you all pay very close attention to when he talks about growing up in the city of Detroit. I've spoken enough. It's time that I shut up and allow you all to listen to the dialogue that I had with the one and only Coach Gary Waters. All right, this is Detroit Worldwide, and joining us today is, well, we're making history again. Let me just say this. We are joined by our first basketball coach, longtime basketball coach. I love sports. This is such an honor to have this individual on. Who we are joined by today is the legendary Coach Gary Waters. How you doing today, Coach Waters? <laughs> Marquise, I'm doing well. I, I was listening for the cheers in the background. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just me. It's just me doing the recording. So excited to have you on here. We'll be talking about his coaching career. He also has a book that'll be coming out as well. He'll have space to talk about that. And I love sports, so this is uh, quite an honor to have this gentleman on. So, Coach Waters, I was wondering if you can begin by telling our listeners just who you are and the work that you currently do. Well, good, good. Well, I was born in Detroit, that's pretty obvious, in the 50s. So that was a great time when I was born during that time. I went to McKenzie High School, which is no longer in existence. And it was uh, one of the better schools in the Detroit area, both academically and athletically. 
Then I went to college in, in the Michigan area where I graduated from Ferris State University. And then I got my postgrad degrees from Central Michigan. And then I got married to my wife, Bernadette Amos, a childhood sweetheart. And we had two children, Sean and Cena Allen, and they had seven children. So I have seven grandchildren. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I tell you, it's, and, and we now live in Tampa, Florida, where I'm near them right now, which is good. My daughter's children and her husband, we're, we're near them, and it's a great, I mean, it's a great experience. I coached for 43 years, as mentioned, and uh, it was a great coaching career and experience. I coached at primarily five schools, Ferris State, that my, my alma mater went back there and coached there, Eastern Michigan, Kent State. Rutgers and Cleveland State. So those were the, the five schools I put my time at. I retired from Cleveland State two years ago, and I'm the all-time winningest coach in their history there. I'm presently in three Hall of Fames. I'm in Fair State Hall of Fame, Kent State Hall of Fame, as well as Detroit High School Hall of Fame. But right now, if you're talking about this very moment, I'm enjoying life in retirement <laughs> here in Tampa. <laughs> I love but it. But there's, there's some things I'm doing. I'm, I'm authoring books. I've done a book now that should be out within the next next three months, I hope. I'm working on that coming out in the next three months, and it's called 10 Principles of a Character Coach, and we'll talk more about that later. I'm also doing public and motivational speaking. That's a, I really enjoy doing that. And for a short time during the summer... I'm a commissioner of a newly designed NCAA college basketball academy, and it's one of the best things out in, in college basketball. And and I'm in the southeast region. A year ago, when it first started, I was in the Midwest region, and we put on the academy. Now I'm in, in the southeast region, and the academy will be held in South Carolina. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. My ultimate goal in this area is to create my own academy. I'm going to call it Waters Academy for basketball and coaching. So that's my that's what I'm doing now. I'm, I'm enjoying my time in retirement. My wife, my wife and I, and we're just you know it's just a, it's a good time in our lives. Man, I can respect that, especially being out in Florida and enjoying that weather. I know most of the <laughs> places you mentioned you coached at were majority of them, with the exception of Rutgers, all in the Midwest. So it's probably a great way to escape that cold and that snow, especially. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of cold when I was during my coaching career. Oh, I, I bet. I bet. But you're out there in Tampa, you're doing some amazing things, authoring books, speaking. All of those things we'll be having the opportunity to talk about. Now, next question I do want to ask you, you mentioned that you are a graduate of McKenzie High School. What was your experience like growing up in Detroit? Oh, tremendous. I had a great experience. You know, you hear people that say certain things about Detroit in, in the most recent times or in the past, but my past was unbelievable. It was it was a vibrant city at the time. It probably was in the top the top ten at the time. So, I mean, it was a lot of people there. We we enjoyed the, the atmosphere there. You know, when I grew up in Detroit, one of the things that really helped me was being able to participate in sports. So, I, you know, I spent a lot of time playing sports at the boys clubs, YMCA. But what really took a big step in my life was an organization called the West Side Cubs, which is a football organization. Mm -hmm. And it's really big and vibrant in Detroit today still. And it really, you know, was something that was instrumental in my life and moved me forward. 
And the other thing was, like, everything happened in Detroit for me, literally. Then I carried that on to wherever else I went. You know, I accepted Jesus Christ in Detroit. I mean, all kinds of things happened for me in my life to make me who I am today. Okay. Now, what area did you grow up in? I know you went to McKenzie. That's on the west side. But did you also grow up in that area as well? Yeah. You know, I was right in the middle. Because uh, I could have went to Northwestern High School, you probably heard of that one, mm-hmm. and or I could have went to Central High School, which you heard. Of. So I was right in the middle. So I just chose McKenzie, and I'm gonna tell you why. This is a good story. Back then, in in high school, you could go to any school you wanted to go to, and then, you know it's not happening today. You have to live in that area in order to go to that school, and they and they got it blocked off as like districts. So you got to be in those districts. But back then, you could go to any school you wanted to go to school. And it was similar like they do in college today. They recruited you if you were a good athlete, okay? So they went, and, they, and I was recruited to go to McKenzie, but I also was recruited by the other two schools in my area, Central High School and uh, Northwestern. And you had to choose. So I would go on a recruiting visit, see a basketball game, go to dinner with the coaches, just like doing college. Mm. And then I made a decision to go to, go to McKenzie. Wow. That's awesome. I didn't know it was like that back then. I mean, I had an idea just given that I know other students, well, at least when I was in high school, they had kind of the same thing. But to hear you talk about it going on back then, that's that's amazing to hear. Now, if you don't mind me asking, what time did you grow up in Detroit? I know you kind of mentioned it offline, but if you can maybe share with our listeners, if you feel comfortable sharing <laughs> when you Oh, no, I enjoy it. I, I, you know, I grew up in the 50s. You know, I grew up as a child in the 50s. Okay, because okay. I was born in 51, and so I grew up as a child in the 50s, but in the 60s is when everything happened for me. When I went to school, uh, you know, I was there during the riots. I was there during the demonstrations, everything that was happening in Detroit. So I've seen a lot of the development of Detroit. I was one of the first to be bused to all-white high school in, in uh, middle school. Mm-hmm. I went there for two years, and then I came back to the back to this side. But you can imagine Back in those days, it was really, you know, the demonstrations and the, the telling you to go home and all that was there. But I'm going to tell you this, when I went to that high school, I ended up developing some friends in those high schools that I still even communicate with today. Mm, and that's amazing, being able to hold those friendships for so long, but hearing about the, the history of Detroit, I mean... We can go all day about what that was like back then. and Oh, we can. We yeah. can. And I mean, it, it was an interesting time. I can only imagine. So you mentioned that you were introduced to sports. You said you were on the West Side Cubs. Is that it? Yeah, the West Side Cubs was a great organization at the time. And it was a football organization. And they really, you know, I, I first started at the Boys Club. And that's where all the, the, the sports in, in my development happened. But then there was an organization, and the strange thing about all these organizations, places I'm telling you that I participated, was in the neighborhood. Mm. You understand? Back in those days, your neighborhood was where you you performed, and it it helped you develop and and grow into who you became. Mm. Now, going off of that, who were some of the people that inspired you growing up? Two guys that really did a great job for me in my life to make me move forward. The first one was a guy by the name of Joseph White. He was a pastor, which I didn't know, but he coached a basketball team. Mm-hmm. And he told me, come on, you know, you want me to play on this team at the end of my high school years. And he wanted me to play with him. And so I said, okay, yeah, I'll play with you. 
So I played with him. I, I tried out. They liked my, my game. So I was on the team. And then he said, there's one thing you got to do. If you, if you want to play on this team, you got to go to church. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I said, yeah, I got to go to church. I mean, just to play that. I said, yep, if you want to play on this team. So I decided, yeah, I want to play on the team. So that Sunday when I went to church, I looked up. He's in the pulpit. He's the pastor. Mm. And I said, oh, man, he, he hit me by surprise. Then I went to it for for a couple of weeks, and I ended up really enjoying it. Uh, that's where I accepted my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, mm. and and the, that pastor also married me and my wife mm. in those days. So that tells you, uh, you know, the connection that person had in my life. And then uh, the other person I really became close to was a person by the name of Sammy Washington. You ever heard that name before? I'm not sure if I have. Well, Sammy was, he he was the one that built up St. Cecilia. Mm. St. Cecilia was the great basketball arena or, or facility there in Detroit on Livinois. And all the great players came through. And they got a Hall of Fame in there, and our name is all up in that Hall of Fame because that was where basketball really formed in Detroit. So, And he became close to me. He helped he helped mold me into the player I was, and even to a person. All these people were what I considered role models for me. And now I'm, I'm going to change that term, role model. I'm going to say examples for me in life. Mm. Because I'm a believer that a role model should be your parents, not mm. anyone outside of that. But as, as examples, they, they were great examples for me to become who I am today. Yeah. First of all, the person who inspired you to <laughs> go to church, that's a, a life change experience. And, you know, coaching and stuff like that, that's good to hear. Well, and, and he inspired me in the thing that I was infatuated by basketball at the time. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, he touched the part of me that said, hey, this guy is OK. But then I found out he was he was real and what he was talking about. And then that's when I made a decision. But I tell you, in those early days, you know, you, you, you could make decisions. And that's the one thing I love about the United States in, as opposed to other countries. You can make decisions in life to help you excel or help you go any direction you want to go. I've visited many and numerous countries. So I know when I say we're in the best in, in the world. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, I do want to go back really quickly and if you can briefly talk about because you mentioned it and uh, share with you earlier we have people who are from Detroit who listen to this podcast but we also have people who are not from Detroit or have never visited Detroit can you maybe talk about the legendary St. Cecilia okay well St. Cecilia is like in any city major city they have a place that the top players play at Cecilia was a Catholic school, a little small Catholic school on Illinois, and Sammy Washington had the vision to make this into a basketball facility, one of the tops in the country. And what he would do is he have all the high school leagues playing there. He, in, in the evening, he has the Pro-Am playing there, which is the professional league. And so guys that were professionals back then, if they wanted in the summer to play basketball, they had a place to go. And the place would be packed. It was a little small gym now. And in my days, it didn't have air conditioning. So you can imagine, you know, what, what you're sitting in. But I'm telling you, it wasn't a seat in the place. And everyone would compete. You'd learn what you're doing. Uh, back then, uh, a great player that came in there was Dave Bean of the Detroit Pistons and uh, Walker. They both played there. And you could see how great they can play. But what would happen is like 
think about in New York when they have a, a place that the artists go to and and just sing or do stand-up comedy, and they would bring people in. Saint Cecilia was like that there. They would bring people in, and all of the, the past pro players would bring friends in that was in the city at the time and compete. And I mean, I'm talking about Magic Johnson, all of them. You can name anybody in the Michigan area was in there playing at Saint Cecilia. Yeah, I mean, it is legendary. Who's who has come through? I know you just mentioned Dave Bing and Magic Johnson and some other people, but yeah, it's it's a it's a legendary facility in the city of Detroit, and I wanted you to talk about that. So thank you so much for sharing. So okay. you graduate from McKenzie High School. You go on to Ferris State to get one degree, and you go to Central Michigan to get your other degree. Well, let me mention this, okay. Marquise. I got two. I actually got three degrees from Ferris State. Three degrees. I got. From State. Yeah, I got my bachelor's in business administration. Then I came back and got a bachelor's in, and then I got a coaching degree back then. You have to coach in order to coach. See, it's different from the kids today, and they are not even aware. And the teaching aspect is lost in the players today. They're just they're just directing, if you if you call it that. In my day, you had to get a teaching degree, and you had to train so you know what you're doing because you because you're communicating with young lives. Mm-hmm. So you had to you had to get that. And then my other degree, I got came back and got my business education degree because I wanted to teach. So if you taught during those days, you had to have a teaching degree. Mm-hmm. So I had to get a teacher degree, teacher certificate, all that in the Michigan area. And then I went on to go to graduate school. So I went on and got master's in uh, at Central Michigan, started my specialist there at Central Michigan. That's all in education. And I enrolled at Michigan State to get my PhD, but I just said, hey, I want to coach you now. So I just started coaching. <laughs> okay, okay. So a lot of degrees from both institutions, specifically Ferris State, but maybe talk about some of your earliest memories going to Ferris State and even Central Michigan if you would like to. Well, Fair State had a lot of great people. When I say that, and and they helped me again. When you're when you're trying to develop yourself for life, there's a journey you go down, and you meet special people that help you move forward in your life. And Ferris was the first place I met. The head coach, his name was Jim Wink. God rest his soul, he passed away sad. But I mean, he was a, he was a great mentor and a great teacher for me. But what he showed me is how to coach the game and share it with the young people you come into to make them better as human beings, not just basketball. And so when I went to Ferris State, I you know I remembered all the things he impacted in my life to help me understand that hey, if you want to be a good coach. You got to do these certain things. And then I had some other people, the guy that I worked for, and I, you know, I also uh, worked on the educational side where in psychology, because that's one of one of my, in my master's degree, I got an emphasis in psychology. So I worked in an area called student development. And there was a guy by the name of Dan Bertram, who really, I mean, he changed my whole concept of how to connect with kids and, and make them better. And I tell you what happened was I took that philosophy this is a unique thing. I took in coaching, you just take, you go and coach the game and you coach on the floor and you do all that. But you understand, that's just a small part of your participation in, in, in coaching. I mean, because you put the kids, you know, most of the day. So by being with him in that department and, and learning all those things, I learned how to work with people outside of just coaching. So I took that philosophy into coaching. 
And I also took it in with my staff. I mean, we did all kinds of things together and we became connected. So that connection is what makes you have success in life, not just, you know, wins and losses. Mm. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Ferris State is also the place where you began your assistant coaching career. Is that correct? Yeah, that's where I started. I came in as a JV coach in my first couple of years, and I grew from there because, you know, all that stuff was a part of the process. Then I became assistant coach, and I became assistant head coach there. And then I left, and from there is when all the other stuff started. So, yeah, I was going to ask you, right after you became an assistant coach, where did life take you after that? I left from there and went to Eastern Michigan. Eastern Michigan. Where I, right. Eastern Michigan, where I spent another 10 years or eight to 10 years, where it was a great learning experience as well. And I had some great players there. I helped players develop there. But in order to tell you about my journey, you need to know why I went into that journey. Okay. Okay. And I went into the, you know, because, you know, I told you about my education. I was in business. I wouldn't work to, you know, I, I did an internship for GMI and Flint and General Motors. And my I was on track to become uh, an executive in labor relations for General Motors. And then I said to myself, this is what I really want to do. Okay. And I made a decision there because I had got drafted in the NBA. Didn't make it. Then I went overseas for a short duration for about three months. Because back then, if you didn't make the NBA, the, all the, the scouts for the, uh, overseas would be there to see you. And they make decisions if you can go overseas to play. And I was I went over to Spain and I played there for those three months and realized this is not what I want to do. You know, I just don't want to. Because back then you played outdoors, all kinds of things was going on. So I said, this is I'm not in it for that. And I was not one of those type of players that had to play everyday basketball and what I mean by that I love basketball and I played it every day but it wasn't the only thing in my life I basketball didn't define me if you get what I'm saying but what I thought was what did I want to do in life so I sat down with my lord and we talked and I told him I wanted to transform lives and I wanted to transform it in a way in the things that I love so when we talked it came to the conclusion I wanted to do it in coaching and when I said I wanted to do it in coaching, he asked me why. And I'm talking about my Lord's sake. He asked me why. And I said, because I really want to transform young people's lives. And he said to me, and I'll never forget this in our conversation, he said, if this is truly what you want to do, I will take care of you every day of your life in, in that profession. Mm. And it's taking care of me every single day. Mm. And when I say that, he said to me, if you truly in it to transform lives, to help these young men become better and know who he is, then I will take care of you every day of my life. And he did. Mm. I've never had to worry when I tell you this, Marquis. I've never had to worry one day. I never had to worry about what job I have. I would move into different places and move there and it's all set up for me. Mm. Man, that's, that's a testament of good faith and I'm glad that you were humble enough to come to the Lord and helping him to guide that decision and allowing him to put you in positions and pretty much take care of you. That's I, I can respect that. Totally. That's what he did. And, and when I say take care of you, not only does he pave the way for you to go, he takes care of you physically and mentally mm -hmm. and spiritually, those three things. 
you know, he really takes care of you. I mean, he gives you the, the knowledge to do what you need to do. He makes sure your health is in great shape. Because in that profession, you could really have some problems with your health. Because, you know, you, I mean, you, you, you're coaching day and night and you, you're running day and night, recruiting. Back then, recruiting is not like it is today. I mean, they've, they've really fixed recruiting in college basketball where you go, it's, it's a seasonal thing. Back then, it was a yearly thing. Mm. And you, you could be on the road for days on days. Sometimes you have to get apartments in places. Mm. Wow. Come a long way. <laughs> yeah. Come a long way. <laughs> <laughs> so now I do want to get into your head coaching career. And this conversation has been so good. Thank you so much for coming on here. I'm very appreciative of this. So you served as a head coach for 21 years at the following schools, Kent State, Rutgers, and Cleveland State. So at each of those stops, what is one lesson that you were able to learn about yourself? Oh, that's a good question. That's a very good question. You know, at, at Kent State was a great experience because I had to develop a program that was at the bottom and at its low point. And I, I had to take kids and develop them to a point where they could compete at the highest level. Because we went to the NCAA, we ended up beating my my last year. We ended up beating Indiana, was number six in the country. I mean, we were we, we, we that team was very very good. And you need to know that I'm writing my next book. Okay, my my book that I got out now is called Ten Principles of a Character Coach, and it literally talks about the last eight years I had at. Cleveland State and how I taught character into these kids and and the importance of character to these kids in there. And then my next book that I'm completing now, I'm probably about halfway through, is called Coaching Millennials from a Character Perspective. And and, and when I and I'm only telling you this to say my last year at Kent State is when I really got introduced to real millennials. And then my entire experience at Rutgers, that's what I coach, millennials, okay? Or another term they use for them is Generation Z or Gen Zs. So I really spent a lot of time understanding that person and uh, and had to work with that person, which was totally different now. You needed to understand before in the coaching, because it was, I mean, you had a lot of them that were coming from uh, Generation X and and uh, and I was a, a baby boomer, so I was coming. You had all them coming in there to give information, and so the and the reason why I say that because they were taught different. Mm-hmm. You hear a lot of coaches today say the kids are different. They were, and it's and it's based on the parents and their upbringing. And I had a great upbringing from the parents I had, and I know you probably had the same. So that's why it's very important that you understand the kids you're dealing with. So for me. All that was important in my makeup in, in becoming a in becoming a coach. Okay, okay. Now, one thing about coaching, I've never coached professionally. I've coached students academically. Okay. But being a, a fan of sports, especially basketball, I've always been curious to know about the mindset of coaching. And you've coached a number of players in these spots, obviously. But what is the experience like leading a group of people toward a common goal? That's you hit the exact thing, and that's what coaching is. When you when you all are on the same page and you're all working toward the same goal, then you have an opportunity to have success. But you've also got to reach 
these kids. Because see, that's what's the problem today because it's a different kid today. And they've been taught differently. See, when I came into the profession, the kids were from parents that were strict and understood that you had to listen and you had to you had to be a part of whatever that person said, regardless if you didn't like it or not. As time moved on, you had parents that said, son, daughter, question what they say. Make sure you're getting the right information. So now all of a sudden you've got a bunch of kids that's questioning everything you say. And then technology hit the scene, okay? (laughs) Which changed everything. So now they're talking about everything. So you had to be aware of this. And if you're not aware of all those things, even today as a coach, you could really struggle out there. Any like quick examples that you can think of? I know you mentioned in one of your previous responses, like the generations of people that you've coached, but like what examples do you have that you can share that you can even recall? And, and I'll share one that's, uh, I don't know if it's in the book, because I wasn't talking about Kent State at the time. But at Kent State, I had some great, what they call Generation X, those kind of kids. And, th- and those kind of kids are taught never to question authority work hard at everything you do and excel. Now think about those three things. Those are great things to be taught. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 they never were, were caught up in getting a trophy for just competing. Or the other things like uh, always need the pat on the back to, to do something of, that, that is something that you are required to do. So those kids were, I don't want to say easy to coach because everything is not in the easy. But they respected your coaching. You could coach long hours with those kids. When I hit the millennials, now you got a whole different kid. And that kid's telling you, man, I can't coach. I can't practice for three hours. That's too long. <laughs> okay. And so now you have to look at these things and to get the best out of them and find out what was the best way to reach them. Okay. And, and then you even have to trick them half the time. I'll be honest with you, Marquis. <laughs> <laughs> to make sure they understood so they could reach their common goal. Because they didn't understand. They were just getting information. So what my objective was to help them understand that information and decipher it. But at the same time, help move them forward in, in, in what they wanted to do and what I wanted to accomplish. Mm. So when you're working with these kids, it wasn't easy. And it isn't easy today because you got to spend long hours and many of them don't have both parents in the home. So they got a single parent and that parent is spending all their time working so the kid could have what it needed. And so you become almost a second parent to that kid. Mm. What's interesting about that response and thank you again so much for sharing this. You were able to adapt to the times almost and really well, so let me on. say this Mark okay let me say this Marcus I'm sorry I don't want to cut you off but that's the reason why I lasted so long mm. the ones that don't last they can't adapt I love that and I got to be honest with you you got to have some great people working with you your assistants because they go through the journey with you just just as hard as you go through it and and you need good ones that that understand that and understand the kids and they help the entire process mm. so one thing that's interesting about your background is you being at Cleveland State, I know that you've coached many different people, but one of the notable people that, and I knew this randomly even before we met because when this person got drafted, Norris Cole, two-time NBA champion with the Miami Heat. 
what was it like coaching Norris, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, man, he was a tremendous person. Let me start there first. See, he was part of that Generation Y and Millennials. However, he had two parents, both were educators. No, yeah, one was an educator and one was worked in the hospital. So you had two of them that were, and they both were all about education. And I'll give you a little quick story about Norris. On his recruiting visit, he came in, he really enjoyed everything. His parents enjoyed it. His father pulled me aside and said, Coach, I think my son really likes it here. This is where he wants to be. He says, but I, I need him to tell you that. I said, I got you. I understand. He said, but it's one thing I need to take. He said, when I turn him over to you, he's yours. I don't care what you do to him. You need to whoop him. You need to do whatever's necessary. Get him in line. The only thing I need you to do is keep me abreast how he's doing academically. And if I need to step in, that's when I will step in. But the coaching is yours. You take him to where you need to take him to. Now, how many parents are like that? Mm. So it was it was a joy to coach Norris because he literally was committed to everything I wanted him to do. And so he can grow and develop the way a person that's in love with a sport should grow and develop. We were losing that as we went on further because the one, uh, I want to call behavior trait of the of many of the generation wise, they, they came into the I, me generation. You know, it's all about I, it's all about me. Now, you can understand why, because that was during the time technology came in, right? And for them, iPad, iPhone, all that was a part of who they were. So understand why that I is in front of that, those items. Because it's all about I. Mm-hmm. And they and they couldn't live without it. It was in front of their faces. They had it every day. Norris, he really didn't he could care less about that. Now he had a phone, but he could care less about that. He wanted to connect and understand. So in the old school, the young man knew every pro that played in the past he studied mm. that's why he did that because he was he was committed to all that and he worked his tail off but also he was gifted when you get a guy that's gifted you can go to the next level with that guy first round pick coming out of yeah and let, let me tell you that and that's exactly right Marquise because when you think about it he came out of a mid-major school mm-hmm. and it's not many I mean a true mid-major school it's not many, like you take uh, Gonzaga and you take, let's say, San Diego State. And those are true mid-major schools. They're actually mid-major programs with a Division One. I, I mean, a mid-major school with a Division One program in it. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The high majors, the top-level high-major schools, they call them the, the Power Five. Now, those schools... You need to be, I mean, you get noticed immediately. He didn't, that wasn't in his in, in his makeup. He was at a, mid, a true mid-major school and they identified him from that and realized his talent base. And he was able to make it. And he was able to get drafted. Not only get drafted, but also become a two-time NBA champion as well. So. Well, think about it now. You ever heard a kid, I mean, it's a dream like for him come out of college, go to a team and win two straight championships back-to-back in your first two years. Man, that's... (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine he was on cloud nine. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But you know what? I'm going to say this. He he, He handled it all with grace because he had great parents. And and God was in his life. And he made it... I mean, he he was humble. 
And I mean, he, I tell you, the crazy thing is, those years he was at uh, Miami, mm-hmm. he'd never spent any of his money. Mm. He banked it and invested, and that's all he did. And just took out a little money each year to live on. Mm. Tells you the kind of guy he was. Man, that's that's awesome. That I didn't know. So that's really good to hear. That's really good to hear. Now, you've also had the pleasure of being inducted into three Hall of Fames. What do those honors mean to you? Oh, man, they mean they mean a great deal because it says that the longevity you put in something, people acknowledge that and they recognize that. Uh, the first one I was inducted into was Ferris State Hall of Fame, and that's my alma mater where I coached and played, so I was inducted there, and that was, that was a tremendous honor. And uh, then the next one was Kent State, which, you know, I went there and I, and I took that program to prominence. And they acknowledge that. And when I say they acknowledge it, they say, hey, we understand what you have done for our institution. But the, one of the biggest ones that ever hit me was the one I got in Detroit for the high school Hall of Fame. Because, you know, you want to be acknowledged by your hometown and where you're from. And, and that just happened this past September. And it was a great honor. It was a great moment. And it was one of the best things that have ever happened to me in, in my profession or just in my life. Mm. That, that was good. Now, that ceremony, I remember you talking about it offline. Where was it held at? It was held downtown, and it's, it's a building over top of fish. Is it fish bones or something? What's the, uh, is it a place down there? That it's a conference place. And I'm telling you, it was big. It had a bad, I mean, you could see about a thousand people in it. And I mean, and they all came out because there were some other good nominees in there or, or inductees, don't call them nominees, but they were inductees and they received honors like, and, and, no, and so the place was packed and it was great to have family members and past friends there and everything else to, uh, to receive that honor. Mm-hmm. Who are some of the inductees, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, one of the people was Johnson, who played for for Michigan in football. That played on the Is it Pepper Cowboys. Johnson. Pepper Johnson, exactly. They won the NFL championship, so he was one of the major people in there. And it was just, and then they had them. So they just didn't have it for male. They also had it for female. So it was a lot of other females. I don't have that sheet in front of me to tell you all the people that was inducted. But they had people that were in track that were females that were, I didn't know, that went back in time that were great, great athletes. Mm. Man, I would imagine that is probably such an honor to do that, as you mentioned, doing it in your hometown and for people to kind of recognize the contributions that you made and the career that you made and created for yourself. That seems like it's quite an honor. Oh, it was. It was. And, and you're so humble to be, be involved in something like that. No, absolutely. Now, I do want to talk about your book, The Ten Principles of a Character Coach. So what inspired you to write that book? Well, you know, I was here in retirement, right? (laughs) In your retirement, there's not many things you do in retirement unless you create these things for yourself. So I'm in retirement. I said, you know what? I need to write about what I experienced in coaching. So the first book I wrote is it's complete, but it ain't coming out for three years, is my autobiography. And I wrote that. And it was uh, it's called A Journey Through the Eyes of a Character Coach. Now, you keep hearing the term character coach. That's my branding name or hashtag. I'm a character coach. And my whole thing is about having character in what you do or integrity or values. All those things fit into that, that mantra. 
So that's my that's what I talk about. That's what I believe in. So I'm in a sport, and I'm seeing many other coaches coming up that don't have this. They don't care about integrity. They don't care about having character. They just do what they want to do. And so what I wanted to do is get back to the profession and get back to these coaches to understand this is this is one of the, the ways to do it. And in many cases, it's the right way to do it. So I came up with 10 principles because the first book, like I told you, was my autobiography. They told me, meaning my, my editor and my branding firm told me, that you know you need some information out there before people gravitate to your autobiography because they don't know you. So that's when I wrote this 10 principles of a character coach. And then I'm working on this one about coaching millennials from a character perspective that I'm writing that now. And so I can have something out there so people see what I'm writing and what I'm talking about. And then they eventually gravitate towards that autobiography. Okay, okay. And what would that 10 principles of a character coach, when would that be available? I'm hoping it'll be available in the next three months. Uh, my goal is to do a book signing at the Final Four or a book a book announcement at the Final Four. And I'm going there in Atlanta. And, uh, and then shortly after, I'm hoping, you know, May, June, that the book is out. It'll be at uh, all the bookstores. It'll be on eBay. It'll be on e-books will come out. And they'll have the information out there. Well, definitely let us know when it comes out. We will definitely make sure that our listening audience is aware of it and that they're also able to purchase it. And of course, I need my signed copy when it comes out. So. Oh, you, you, uh, <laughs> you got it. You got it done. <laughs> All right, for sure. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. So we are heading into the home stretch. And again, Coach Waters, this has been so great. I'm a lover of sports, especially basketball. So to have you on here is almost like a, a bucket list thing for me so thank you for coming <laughs> on here again so I do want to bring it back home for a second and everybody who comes on this podcast I ask them the following question if they had to identify a song that best <laughs> represents Detroit in their opinion what would that song be so coach Gary Waters I give you that question what is your song <laughs> good <laughs> well that's you know what? It really, it really wasn't a hard thing to think about because I grew up in near Motown. Okay, mm-hmm. so I was I was right around there where they had the house and everything else, not far from there. So I seen all the great artists, and I was in the right time in the '60s when they came out. So uh, they came literally started in the '50s, but they it, it formulated in the '60s. And the Temptations was big to me. I mean, we really enjoyed with everything they did, the temptation. And and the song that I really, whenever I hear this song, I think of Detroit is called Just My Imagination. Mm. It's just or it's just my imagination. And when you when you think about that song, you know, when you're young coming up, you had an imagination of what you wanted to do in life and what did you want it to be. And, and, and that is what hit me about that song, even though it was, you know, it was more of a, a love ballad. But it, it really told me that, you know, you could do whatever you want to do in life. Mm-hmm. That's a great choice. A great choice. I'm just, I was going to hit some notes, but I'm like, I'm not even going to try to <laughs> sing that song by no means. <laughs> That's good. That's a really good choice. All right. So. I know you mentioned you have some books coming out. You got some speaking tours. You do speaking engagements, I should say. And how can we as a community best support what you're doing? 
Well, you know, as a community, if, if someone out there hears this and they want me to come and speak to their groups on character, that's how you can help me. Because I, I can come and speak to them. I can uh, give them information so they understand more about what it takes to have character in your life. And it just doesn't have to count to sports. This can just be in life. It can be in relational things. It can be in business. Because I do speak to a lot of business organizations that, that talk, hey, tell, tell us about how we can have character in, in our profession. So, you know, I really enjoy doing that. And that's how you can help me. The other thing is, I'm presently, I'm a, I'm a part of the NCAA. And I'm a commissioner in the NCAA uh, College Basketball Academy. It's newly developed. And last year was the first year it was out, and it was unbelievable when I came. The NCAA has provided an avenue for players to get to understand what college is all about. And this is one of the avenues. And during the summer, they run this academy, which you can call it a camp, and it goes for a week. The the groups that go there, it's split in half, so they'll go for three days and another come for three days. So there's four regions around the country, so there's one in every... And I was last year the commissioner of the, the region in in the Midwest, and that was in Champaign, Illinois, at the University of Illinois. Each one of them are on a college campus, so they get to learn what college is all about. They get to get life skills, and they get to develop their basketball skills. And the uniqueness about it is that during that week, I mean, it's primarily college coaches that go to these things. So a college coach can't go to anything else during that week, and it's held during the recruiting period in July, and they can only go to this. So you, every college coach gets to come there and see you and give you an opportunity. Last year, they gave out over 500 scholarships at that. Mm. So it's pretty unique. This year, since I'm living in the South, I'm heading the Southeast region in South Carolina. And, and it's at Winthrop University. And so it's, I mean, it, it's a great thing. So it's really given me something to do in retirement and, and to give something back in the coaching profession. I appreciate that. And we will make sure that we get everything that's out there. And I want to go to your last statement that you made and staying active in retirement and also giving back as well. That's key. That's critical. And I like that you are, you continue to pass along knowledge and we appreciate that knowledge that you're sharing. Speaking of which, sharing, where can people find you in the social media space, online world? That's if you'd like to be found. I know you have your website, but where can people find you? How would they get in contact with you? Oh, very good. I, I got a, a Facebook account. It's called Character Coach with Gary Waters. So they can find anything about what I'm doing, how I'm doing it on there. I, I'm on LinkedIn, and that's with Coach Gary Waters. Uh, so all those things are there for them to see and get an understanding of what I'm trying to do. Okay, okay. And, and on my website, it mentions the book and everything else. Now, it's not out yet, but it mentions that. And, and I'm going to try to keep that updated so when that book come out, everybody can get have an opportunity to get one. And what's the name of that website? www. Uh, I think it's Coach Waters. I'm a little lost on that. <laughs> I was just on there yesterday. If you can't find it, I can definitely get it in the show notes. I was on there yesterday. I've been on. Yeah, there. yeah. I mean, I don't use. I mean, I don't talk about that a whole lot. What I talk about is using my Facebook and and, and LinkedIn. I talk about that a lot, but uh, my Facebook is what I really try to put out information for people to understand what I'm doing. 
Okay, for sure, for sure. Well, we'll make sure we get everything in the show notes, including your website. I know where it's at. The name escapes me right now, but I did look at it as recently as yesterday. So it is out there. He does have a website. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as we sit here and think, I'm, I can, I can, I can make sure you have that information. Okay, we're good. It's www.coachwaters. Well, just dot com. It's not, 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 I'm trying to overstate it, but it's. <laughs> It's coachwaters.com. <laughs> coachwaters.com is where he can be found, as well as the other place he mentioned, LinkedIn and Facebook as well. All right. So last question I want to ask you as we're wrapping up, and that question is simple. What does Detroit mean to you? Oh, that's a good one. I tell you. Well, when I think of Detroit, I literally think of family, I think of growth and development, and I think of valuable friendships and relationships. Because these are things that I have kept with me throughout every day of my life. And it has made me, literally, it has made a foundation for me to be who I am today. And I've never lost the connection with those three things. You know, I still have family there, and, and, I, and I created family there. My growth and development started there, and you usually start at your early stages of making who you are, and you usually don't go away from that. You usually come back to that, okay? Because one of my theses was on that, how people go away and, and they make a decision that they don't want to be like their parents, but then, you know, 20 years later, they're doing everything just like their parents. <laughs> so my growth and development was there, but I also created some great relationships and friendships that made me who I am today. And that's what Detroit means to me. All right. That's good. That's good. I probably couldn't have said it any better myself. Coach Gary Waters, thank you so much for coming on here. It has been fun. You're doing some amazing things. I like how you are still active post your coaching career, an illustrious career nonetheless. Over 40 years of experience, 21 years head coaching experience. Thank you so much for coming on here. I appreciate you on a personal level. Well, I appreciate you as well. And it's been great being on this podcast because, you know, I, you're doing some amazing things. Keep doing it and keep connecting with people so people know what other people are doing. Oh, yeah, most definitely, most definitely. So on behalf of Coach Gary Waters, I am Marquise Taylor. This is Detroit Worldwide, and we will holler at y'all on the other side. Peace. <laughs>